Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. Oh my goodness. We are back. We are live. We got a different crew, but it's a full crew all the same because they're all part of the CTP family. My name is Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we're just going to go. We got to start with the man who's normally in the truck. Today, he's out in front of the camera showing off the background. Dave, my man, how you doing? How you been? I'm doing good. And do you know they put on pads today? Woohoo! That means the <laughs> offense and defensive lineman got the hit. I love it. I mean, it could mean some other things, but we'll talk about that too. And uh, <laughs> next up. You know him as Fry's Football, Fry's Football Fridays. We just know him as Matt. My man, how you been? Doing fantastic, Jason. Just got off of vacation last week, so I uh, was down at the Same. beach for a refreshing time. And uh, we're back. We're ready to go. We're ready for training camp. Let's go. What's up, Mary? How you doing? And last, hey. certainly not least, the man, the myth, the legend, the Flip Mozzie. My man. Hey. How's it going? It's going well. You know, we got we got Nick, Eric, and Miles in COVID protocol. So, <laughs> so, so we got we got the Jake Browning, the Danny Etling, and the Case Kukas here with y'all to lead you through the Tuesday show. We'll do our best, Coach Jason. We got this. We got this. I don't understand why everybody no, we're not gonna get into actually, yes, we are gonna get into all of that. Right now. So, Flip, I'm going to just go. I'm going to throw it right back to you because obviously, uh, you know, training camp's going on. And if you haven't been already, there he is. Our friend Matt Anderson about to give him a shout out because he's been putting in work through training camp, aggregating, uh, curating all of the things that are going on in and around camp to make sure that you know which players are trending up, trending down. So make sure you head on over to ClimbingThePocket.com. Check out the great work being done by Matt Anderson. But unfortunately, right before what is often the biggest practice of training camp, people get very hyped for it. You got Saturday night practice. Things kind of went to shit in and around our team, which I guess is something that we should be accustomed to. But we got to talk about it because it brought um, something that, in and of itself, shouldn't be political, I don't think, but it's brought something that has become very political into the sphere of sports and football, where people often come for a refuge from those things. And it is, of course, vaccinations. And uh, on Saturday, we found out that, I guess, right before Saturday's uh, practice, we found out Kellen Mond had, in fact, contracted covid Kirk Cousins was a close contact and would not be able to play because he's not vaccinated. And, uh, I mean, Jake Browning, he got his shot. It has brought us Case Cooking, uh, Cookus, excuse me, and, and Etling. But it's also uh, made Mike Zimmer uh, more ornery than usual. Um, and he's <laughs> preaching a message that based on the numbers that have come out, uh, even, I guess, today, that it does not seem uh, is really making its way or resonating 
within the team. So, Flip, uh, I know that's really the angle that you really focused on when we were talking about this offline was um, not the politics of it, but just really the division that can be caused when the coach is asking players to do something that just from purely a football uh, standpoint would give the team a competitive advantage. And what it looks like, a high percentage of players on this team when compared to like the broader NFL cohort are choosing to not do that thing. And like Zimmer had said, if this had happened in a regular season game, I mean, the Vikings would be in a, would be in rough shape. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, Jason. And I don't, I don't think we need to rehash all the way back to Saturday. I mean, it happened. Um, We're closer to, Kellen Mond and Kirk Cousins getting cleared to come back than we are to when they went out. And, you know, the, the guys on the unbelievable podcast, BJ Rydell and Drew Mahou, I need to learn how to pronounce his last name, but Drew Mahode, um, they did a fantastic job of breaking down exactly why this angers Mike Zimmer so much. It's again about following league rules and how following those rules can set you up for success in the year to come. This is different in 2020. In 2020, the rules were surrounding protocols to mask and social distance and stay out of public areas when traveling. And the Vikings were on par or even better with the rest of the league in following those protocols. Uh, This year, the protocols are different. The rules are different and the Vikings are dead last compared to other teams. 64% vaccinated, 32 unvaccinated players. I would be completely fine with those numbers if it were league average. But when you look around the league, the Vikings have three to four times as many unvaccinated players as the rest of the football, as the rest of the NFL. You look at teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending champions, they're 98% vaccinated. So are we going to be able to compete with the rest of the NFL doing things differently? That's the first thing that worries me talking about the fan experience. The second thing is what Jason mentioned is clearly we have an issue here where the head coach is thinking very differently about things than the players. And that always concerns me when, when the head coach and the players are not on the same page. You think about past Super Bowl champions. You think about Bruce Arians and the relationship he had with his players, Andy Reid. Uh, you can go back all the way to Bill Belichick and even uh, Mike Shanahan and, and Gary Kubiak in their time in Denver. They all just just speak effusively about their about their coach and the coaches speaks just effusively about their players it's a bond that those two that those two entities make it that enables them to build a culture that lets a team contend for a super bowl here in minnesota it just doesn't seem like we have that right now and so that's what mary worries me the most it's not so much about the specific issue it's not about the science or the politics, that this is such a hot item. It's just the fact that our coach is saying something. Our coach, it's his job to put players in a position to win football games. 
And the players that he's telling this to have a very different idea about how this season should be run. So that's just something that we're going to have to monitor all season because it's hard to win when people aren't on the same page. Yeah, so Dave, I want to get you in because, you know, obviously this is something that as the story was unfolding, Twitter was blowing up. We were obviously talking about it in the group chat. And uh, a point in this that maybe it's difficult for, for some fans to really reconcile is, you know, football players will do so many things and make so many sacrifices. You'll hear about, you know, Ronnie Lott, you know, cut the finger off so I can get back in the game and, you know, players being shot up with who knows what on the sidelines so they can get back in there and compete in situations that, you know, they probably shouldn't be competing if we're thinking about, like, their long-term health as, as like, the primary thing, yeah, as the primary driver of their decision-making, right? Yeah. And so you have something where, like, you, you look at all these things, all these crazy things, all these times where football players will, you know, do whatever it takes to give their team a chance to win. And then you have to reconcile it with what we seem to be having with the Vikings, where the NFL, yes, they're definitely pushing um, in, in a certain way to get, you know, what they're giving teams a competitive advantage. And so by doing so are incentivizing players to get the vaccine. And so can you help us reconcile this point where, on the one hand, football players generally are seem programmed to do every and anything they can to help their teams win, sometimes to the detriment of themselves, versus kind of where we are now, where Mike Zimmer, he almost seems exasperated because he's like, hey, this will help us win. And oh, he, players are like, nah, we're not going to do that. No, he is exasperated. One, because obviously it's a team thing. He believes in the team and... Everybody being vaccinated puts you under the less restrict COVID protocols where you're only tested once every two weeks. Um, you could be around people that have popped, but you can still practice and do everything normal, i.e. Jake Browning. Um, that gives the team the advantage, especially when he's gathered such a good team, at least on paper together, where we have stars on the offense and there's plenty of those, and some are coming in to be even bigger. And then we have guys on the defense that are proving themselves, right? Just to throw it away for what you have the right to do, your own personal belief, right? You can believe whatever you want, but if you're doing that, it's against what the team's goal is. And as Flip states, you know, we want to put a Super Bowl winning team together and everybody be on the same page. It's hard to do that when you're doing something that could put you off that page, i.e. like Kirk Cousins not being out there practicing. Now, it's good for Jake Browning. I'm glad it's happened for him because he stepped up. He's gotten in a groove. He's proven that he can do it. That's good. I think he's won the QB2 slot, straight up. But as the team as a whole, this is going to come back to us every single week of the season. And what it can do is it can hurt us because somebody can pop with COVID or be around somebody with COVID. If they're not vaccinated, they instantly have to go into the quarantine and they're out 
for five days, and that could be over an important game where they're needed to win. Now, individuals have the right to choose or not choose. It could be political, religious. It could be medical. They could believe there's medical reasons. The, the vaccines are experimental. They do not have long-term FDA approval. There's all sorts of reasons somebody could choose not to get it. Adam Thielen can say, hey, I got COVID last year. I have the antibodies. Why do I need it? Um, there's all sorts of reasons. But whatever they are, they if you're choosing not to, you are hurting the team effort. In the military, we'd get all sorts of shots. All sorts of shots. During the Gulf War, I have my shot record. And we got two shots. One said shot A, and the other one said shot B. <laughs> right? And they were early anthrax stuff is what I'm convinced they were. But You after, don't even know. I, I don't even know. I, after the war, I yeah. came back and what were I go, what were these? And they go, they were experimental. We don't know what they were. You just got, but we were, it was all for the team effort. You did not let the team down. You didn't say, no, I'm not doing this. Uh-uh. You, know, you signed up for it. I feel playing football, you sign up for it. If you don't want to do that, then quit. Um, that's hard to say, but it, it's, we're here for the team. You're here for the team. You're not... Yes, there's a little bit of I'm here for me. I'm here to make my money and make my career. But it's a team sport. And when everybody's working together, you all win and you all get paid more and you all do better rather than looking out for number one. And that's why Mike Zimmer is frustrated because he wants everybody to do well on this team. Cool. David coming out spitting fire out the gate. So, Matt, you know, I know that's a tough act to follow because Dave was fired up there. How do you see us coming to a, a resolution given, like, I know Flip and others have pointed out, like, Zim doesn't get fired up and talk this publicly about things all that often. But, but he's been going pretty hard on this one. How do you see this one going? Do you think there's anything that can happen before the season starts that gets us to a place where this maybe is resolved? Or do you think something will have to go sideways in season before we can get maybe the whole everyone on the same page with this? Yeah, so I think the only thing that will happen prior to the season has already happened. That would make a change, right? I think the Zimmer press conference is as explosive as you're going to get from this situation right now, right? Because obviously our starting quarterback is missing five days of training camp, which are important to install the entirety of the offense, essentially, right? So that's that's a it's a critical moment for a player to be missing time. But the only time you could be more critical is if a player misses a game due to the COVID situation. And I think that is potentially when it would blow up is if we have... And I, I wouldn't say it's a player who gets COVID because you can have breakthrough cases, right? Uh, you're less likely to have breakthrough, a breakthrough case than you are to get it if you're unvaccinated, but you can still have breakthrough yeah. cases. I can't blame an individual for getting COVID, right? Now, I, I this, we, oh. we, we, I, I, I'm saying, but what the players do control 
is the five day period of time that they miss if they're unvaccinated, right? That's that's the control between the difference of them being vaccinated and unvaccinated. So that is when it potentially blows up if, if a player has to go on COVID IR because of this. Yeah, it, it, again, this is not about the science. This is not about the science. I want everybody to know that this is not about medical choices. This is not about uh, HIPAA laws. This is not about changing personal preferences. This is about a private entity that has defined the rules of competition for 2021. And that private entity is the NFL. And they have said, these are the rules we're going to play by. So we're not the ones making the rule. Mike Zimmer isn't the one making the rules. Okay. This is coming from the NFL. And if you really want to get into it, I mean, the NFL had to convince 30, 32 different teams. They had to convince 25 different states to let 80,000 people get together this season to watch these guys play football when coronavirus was still going on. Okay, the only way they're going to get to do that is if they put proper protocols in place and if they encourage players to follow those protocols. So so there's no middle ground where we can where the NFL can get approval and we can have this full awesome 2021 season with 100 percent fans in the room without the NFL putting these rules in place. The team that handles vaccinations well, that handles this new rule correctly, those are the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Those are the teams that are going to be playing for the Super Bowl because they're going to have limited interruption to their normal practice and game day procedure. So that's what all this is about. It's not about making anybody do what they don't want to do. It's incentivizing them. And if they still don't want to do it, they're free not to. They're just going to have a tougher time at playing, winning football. And so, Matt, if you could hop in here, because last year the team seemed to be one of the best in the league at this. Like, people were applauding the Vikings through last year for the way that, you know, they we seem to be one of the maybe overly cautious teams as we came to these things. This seems to be a bit of a 180 for us. Like, what what do you think's driving that maybe that shift? Well, so so the difference that Dave went into is the personal choice of the players whether or not to get the vaccine right that that's what the driving difference is the nfl has the protocols in place the protocols for unvaccinated players are the same as they were for everybody last year right it was just there wasn't a vaccine available last year so everybody was unvaccinated right so for unvaccinated players the protocols have not changed um and i imagine that the vikings are actually still adhering to those protocols very well um i i don't think there will be reports of us breaching the protocols. The problem becomes when you're a team like the Denver Broncos last year who followed the protocols, but it left them with a game where they didn't have any quarterbacks who could go into the game, right? And they had to start, uh, I'm forgetting his name, but the practice squad wide receiver who played quarterback. Kendall like Hinton. Two games or something. <laughs> oh, right? Of course, Jay knows. Kendall Hinton, yeah. um, Jay well, knows no, people Jay's were talking for quarterbacks. Jay's looking for quarterback. People were talking about this on on Saturday. They were asking, who's the Vikings' Kendall Hinton? And, you know, Chaz and others were going around. (laughs) So regardless of, you know, whether or not the Vikings are are following the NFL protocols, which I I believe they are, it still puts you at a competitive advantage to have players vaccinated because they wouldn't have to sit out that five-day window if they don't test positive, right? So that's, that's the key difference right there is that it's not 
that the team wouldn't be following the protocols. It's that the protocols for vaccinated players are different from under-vaccinated players, and that's the root of the issue, and that's what we've all been talking about here, right? Mm-hmm. So it incentivizes the team to get vaccinated. Based off of the numbers that came out today, um, 90% of the NFL have at least one, or at least in the vaccination process, right? And 90% of 90 players is roughly nine players per team. The Vikings have 70% of their players in that process. Uh, 70% of 90 is 63 players, which means we have 27 players who are not in that process, which means we have three times the number of players. That's three times the number of players who could negatively impact us by missing a week, essentially due to being in the in the COVID protocol and not necessarily even having to test positive. So that's the competitive disadvantage that our team is at with players not being vaccinated. And that's why it's an issue for us. Just like Rick Dennison now can't do his job as he is because due to NFL protocols, he's not allowed to be a tier one personnel in the building. So we had to change his job job description, which also puts us at a competitive disadvantage because we lost our offensive line coach two weeks before the week before training camp. Right. It's the same kind of situation where it's not a political thing. It's simply the way the rules are for the NFL, which can operate how the NFL wants, and it's collectively bargained with the NFLPA and their binding rules, essentially. So it's it's just the way yeah. it is. Yeah, and, and look, if, if you go to Apple right now, Apple is mandating vaccines for everyone who wants to go in their offices. Uh, Facebook is mandating vaccines for everyone who wants to go in their office. So it's this is a private entity. This is a private businesses making the rules. And yeah, and that point, uh, I you know, don't want to go too far off a tangent, but it's also wild to me to just that whole idea that premise is something that's become so controversial because, like, I mean, I remember, shoot, I have two kids now. I have to show their immunization records before they get to go to school or camp like I had to show all those things before I got to go to university. So like, like just the idea that this has become something that's is so wound up or ginned up yeah. or whatever is just, it's a, uh, it's sometimes difficult to, to fathom, but also, I mean, it is also the world in which we live. So, but I think yeah, I we all went through it, you know, and every, all, everybody, all the fans in the chat went through it. We all had to decide, we all had to make that personal decision. I mean, for me, it just came down to, look, I'm going to do whatever my boss wants to, is going to want, wants me to do and whatever my dad wants me to do. And if my boss and my dad had said something differently, then I may have done something differently. But it again, it's you got to you got to include so many things about this decision, not just, you know, your personal health or the people around you, uh, your career comes into play, you know, how if you want to go to a island vacation that might affect things if you want to get out of the house with your kids that might affect we know know that's the real reason that flip got got his (laughs) because flip can't stop jet setting for anybody so you know once they say you might need to get vaxxed to get on a plane flip was just all right let's get her done (laughs) yeah everybody you know comes that decision but let's talk about the guys who are making about the most of the opportunities in practice, because we do have some great things going on up at the TCO. We do. I do love it. There we go. That is a segue. That is Flip saying enough. Let us move on. And when what Flip say goes around here. So we're going to do that. Matt, who's impressed you the most thus far? And, you know, even if you haven't been following line by line, as we said earlier, our man Matt Anderson – 
He's given you the Cliff Notes, the Coles Notes, the Spark Notes, whatever you. I know they're different things for different people. Matt's got you covered. Hop in there, read them. But Matt, you're here with me now, so why don't you tell me who's been impressing you so far with all you've yeah, heard, absolutely. seen, read training camp? I mean, the timeline's on fire with highlights, so a lot of those are coming from ourselves, you know, climbing the pocket network. Um, they're, they're, I mean, obviously, the whole beat, you see them all throughout your Twitter timeline, right? Um, Justin Jefferson has been the number one standout so far. He's picked up exactly where he's left off he looks absolutely phenomenal from everything you've seen um so i i think he deserves the first shout out um really interesting and i'll let dave cover this in more depth later but really interesting <laughs> is what oliudo's been asked to do right he's he might be our starting left guard right now he also played right left guard. tackle when um sorry uh rashad hill had an injury issue or, or was missing some time. So he's seemed to be really in the mix recently. Um, so that's really interesting. Uh, you have the corners who, from my understanding, have been pretty up and down. Now they have tough competition, right? Facing Justin Jefferson, who's lit things on fire, and Adam Thielen, who has also made a couple of uh, contested catches. But that is, you know, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the corner situation. Amir Smith I know that hurt you, Ryan. I know that hurt you, Ryan. Mentioned in the DD, you've been looking good on the sideline. I know that hurt, but I'm I'm proud of you. That's progress. We call that growth. We call that growth. Well, yeah, I mean, so, speaking speaking of uh, wide receivers, the player who has shocked me the most thus far is KJ Osborne, who's apparently looked great at wide receiver. I have trashed KJ, honestly trashed KJ Osborne many times on climbing the pocket shows because I, I didn't like the pick, but I have to give him credit because it looks like he might be a legitimate wide receiver three candidate. Maybe Ryan until our uh, boy DD Westbrook suits actually suits up and, and hey. gets practicing fully. Maybe he'll take over the spot. But until that point, I'm a little bit excited about KJ Osborne. Actually, that's, <laughs> that's impressive. Team um, captain, baby. That's what happens when you draft college team captains. <laughs> give, it, give it a year. Yeah. Just give it a year. Let them develop. DD might not miss the team right now. This is all. This is Flip right here. Flip is just powering up. All of the draft picks are on the sidelines, and DD Westbrook isn't playing. Like Flip might levitate <laughs> off the screen right now. I mean, we got, we got, we got ISM. We got KJ. And we got our man Chad Beebe. Why? Why do we even need a DD? Okay, we didn't draft him. Pay a million oh, dollars man. for what? Yeah, I'll. Uh, I'll. We could leave. We could keep DD and leave BB off the air. <laughs> Dave, hop in because you know Matt was kind enough to leave the trench talk to you. Oh yes. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, what, how you feeling about? What you're seeing, what you've been hearing about the battles that are going on in the trenches. I know they just got pads on, but, you know, what What, what are you hearing that's making you excited? But then also maybe what are you hearing that's making you maybe a little less excited than you thought you'd be at this point of things? Well, I thought Wyatt Davis would be hands down in the running for the number one uh, right guard position going into camp. He is out right now with a bum ankle. Mike Zimmer said today he hopes he's back tomorrow, but he's got a bum ankle. He has not 
played particularly well in training camp to date. He has not stepped up. I was hoping that once they put on the pads and start legitimately hitting, he could show himself and overcome the gaggle that is at right guard being Dozier, Samia, and I ask Ryan what happened to Samia all the time. And now Ole Udo. Now what is nice is we got to see today Ole Udo in pads, right? And Ole Udo in pads was a beast. He only got beat once, just once. And they were throwing stunts at him, which last year's line couldn't handle worth a damn, right? And he was picking up those stunts. He was taking on Dalvin Tomlinson and holding his own or pushing him back. In the run game, he had blocked some guy so far back, he ran him into Chaz Surratt, right? 10 yards down the field. He was winning on pass protection, and he was winning on runs, and he was covering everything. He got to speak today. He's a big boy, six foot six, long arms, weighs a ton, right? And he talked about the move from tackle to guard and how moving into a box, right, you have more room on a tackle. You've got a little bit extra time to react. He says, now I've got to use more power and I've got to punch earlier. And you know who's helping him? Ezra Cleveland, right? And Ezra's having a good camp. And when the pads came on, do you know that he pancaked Armand Watts? There's nothing that gets me more excited than an offensive lineman that absolutely pancakes a defensive lineman, right? It is just, I have to go have some me time afterwards. It is so good. (laughs) That got, okay, I will say, that got me in so much trouble with Pat Elfine that, you know, it scares me a little bit. No, I love it. I love I love what we've seen from the young offensive linemen stepping up so far. So, Matt, I, I need, I need, I'm gonna go back to you on this one here because uh, something that's been a bit of, 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 I guess, a little bit of chatter, and I wouldn't say it's controversy or anything like that, but I think it's a something fair for us to maybe explore, or dig into. Is uh, folks have talked about the challenges with someone with you know long arms like an Udo moving to play on the inside and some of like this, the technical things that he needs to be really sharp on. So that doesn't become a problem. Can you maybe break down for us why having longer arms, which is something that we typically look at as being a positive when we're talking about tackles could then potentially be a bit of a liability as you get, you know, in, in, in the interior offensive line. Yeah. Sure. So it really has to do with what David was saying is the interior offensive line, you're in more of a box. So the length isn't as much to your benefit as it is out on the edge. Um, out on the edge, you know, an edge rusher, first of all, is faster than interior defensive linemen typically, but has also has a lot more room to operate with, right? So they can work their way upfield around the corner or they can cut back inside. So that length really allows you to close the gap more quickly, whereas you start closer to defensive linemen in the first place. Um, the thing that length hurts you with is being able to get your hands up into position quickly, right? The longer your arms are, the harder it is to get your hands from the ground where you start 
if you're starting in a three-point stance, up into somebody's chest. And when you have somebody that's directly in front of you, that really becomes a problem. I think actually, you know, uh, to bring back the offensive line was of a few years ago, Mike Rammers was a really good example of, of some of the problems. And his was a technique thing, but he would bring his arms up into his chest and then release them out, push them forward to punch. Okay. And that was a problem because it was, it's pretty much fine when you're on the edge. You know, he's a, he's a serviceable, if not great tackle. You know, you don't want him starting at left tackle in the Super Bowl, which he's done twice. But um, <laughs> other than that, he, he's a serviceable tackle, right? Uh, with long arms, it, you know, his problem is it took him longer to get his arms up and he wasn't able to control defenders' chests, right? Which is what you want to be able to do as an offensive lineman. The, the body control, the control of the chest is pretty much the battle between the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman, right? Um, longer arms, takes longer to get him up. That's where it can become a problem. Um, you can lose leverage, and and once you lose leverage, you lost the battle, pretty much. So, awesome. Thank you for that, Flip. You posted a poll. Oh, go ahead, David. Go ahead. No, Did you want to add on? To Matt's right. It's all about leverage, and generally, low man wins. And interior linemen, especially defensive linemen, are usually small and compact. Look at Michael Pierce. He looks like a bowling ball, right? Um, with tree trunks for legs. If he gets under somebody and stands them up, he generally wins because he can just pump his legs and go. An offensive lineman needs to, and this is something that's changed over the years. Back in the day, we would come up, we'd have one hand in the dirt, and then we'd come up with the other in a forearm. Um, So we could get it, just like Matt said, in the chest, because that's where we're aiming, in the chest and stand him up. Because once a lineman's got stood up, I can now put my hands on you, even though it's an offensive lineman, it's interior, and then I can turn you. And as Ole said, it becomes a torque game, right? And it's who turns who and manipulates who. Once they do that, if even with the longer arms, it's harder because you're not in that compact little spot. It's an adjustment. But once you do, you've got – actually, you learn to use your leverage and the whole body and the hip and everything – and torque even more, and be successful. And that's what I'm looking for. But Matt was 100% correct. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Offensive line talk here. Getting Dave just all kinds of fired up across all the segments. Flip, you posted a poll from your uh, from your Twitter account just kind of talking about which which rookies we expected to, to play the most in, uh, in week one. Uh, who won that poll? And... Was it Derisaw? Like, is 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 he the guy? Because yeah, yeah. at what point do we Christian start to get Derisaw nervous about poll. the lack of reps? I mean, I should we right now should we be nervous? We right now, okay. I, I, I mean, I think we should be nervous if you have a short term point of view on this. If you're expecting immediate improvement, and I say that because a lot of Vikings fans were a lot of Vikings fans oh, just less than a week ago would have told you that the Vikings are going to have two new starting offensive linemen in week one and rookie offensive linemen. And so that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. You know, am I concerned about Wyatt Davis or Christian Dayersall long-term? Certainly not. For this year, all I know is that we haven't heard much about either of them. The offensive line coach is basically no longer with the team. And we got the 
offensive line shuffle where Udo was a tackle, now he's a guard, Davis was a guard, now he's a center, and that all sounds good until you consider the fact that this is the 10th year in a row where they tried to do something like this and it hasn't worked out. So, <laughs> so, so there's concerns there. But overall, you look at, you know, the Vikings made, I think it was, what, 15 draft picks. Um, they made four in the first three rounds and we don't, we don't, or the five in the first three rounds and we don't really project any of them seeing significant time in week one. Yeah. I mean, if I can, I feel like this is a lot of this flip. You're being very, uh, I feel like you're being more humble than I'm used to seeing you sometimes because this is a drum that you tend to beat pretty loudly during draft season which is that you know the draft isn't about the coming year and if you're thinking about the coming year when you're drafting that you're probably doing the draft wrong yes given where the team is at and the fact that it doesn't look like we're going to get significant early season contributions i mean do you feel vindicated in any way for any of the hate that was thrown your way possibly by myself Probably not me, though. I would never do something like that. But definitely by, like, that Miles guy. I mean, what's even the point at this time, at this point, Jason? Like, no matter what I say, no matter how many times I'm right, you're still going to call me out in the moment. I mean, Miles is always right. going to come after me. All right? <laughs> I'm, all, I, I'm, I'm usually right on these things. I, I keep receipts. I could show them to you, but I don't because I love you, man. So let's move on. Let's see. Let's see how they develop. All right. Let us see how they develop. Uh, I mean, I feel like I feel like we covered like the primary things that we wanted to go over here. So I'm going to put all of you on the spot real quick because the topic that comes up probably more than it should is regression. When we talk about Justin Jefferson, he's still looking amazing, doing amazing things. And so we're going to go 1,400 yards. Flip, is Justin Jefferson going to have more or less yards? 1,400 is the number. You're taking the over, you're taking the under. Where are we going? Oh, man. Oh, uh, wow. I, there's no reason to change. There's no reason to, to really change from what we thought he was going to do going into this week. You know, yes, there are some practices now, but – he looks great in them. If Even if he didn't look great, I still think you'd have to pick him to go over 1,400 yards. The biggest conversation with the weapons is that Irv Smith has looked really good. And so if Irv Smith is able to be a tight end threat, I think that just makes it even easier for Justin Jefferson. And he repeats, that's me knocking on wood, he repeats 1,400 yards. So you're going for a push above, above, above. Okay, so we're we're over, we're over. Okay, no. Matt, where are you at with it? So over, under. I'm going to preface by saying I hate to do this, um, and I don't believe that Justin Jefferson's level of play is going to decline. In fact, I think it's going to get better. But I will say I would expect Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to combine for the same number of yards this year as they did last year but I have to go under on the 1400 from Jefferson. He's going to see more coverage. It opens up things for Thielen. Thielen gets more yards. 
Justin Jefferson gets a few less, but it's not because of the level of play. It's simply because of the distribution of, hey, we have two phenomenal wide receivers, and defenses are going to cover Justin Jefferson more heavily than Adam Thielen this year, I expect, based off of last season. All right, so one over, one under. Dave, you are the decider. Over or under, Justin Jefferson, 1,400 yards. I think he's going over. He's done things in camp that Patrick Peterson was saying. How in the world did he do that? Patrick Peterson is a future Hall of Fame cornerback. If he can do that to Patrick Peterson, he can do that to the rest of the league, even if he's doubled. But if he's doubled, that opens up for Adam Thielen to do his thing. That opens up Irv Smith, who seems to be a safety blanket, and they're designing plays for him. Kirk Cousins seems to love throwing to him. And then you have, of course, Dalvin Cook. And whoever gets the 24 um, percent of throws in the wide receiver three spot, be it K.J. Osborne or D.D. Westbrook, or a combination thereof, I think we are going to have a bigger offensive production this year. If everybody stays healthy, stays off that stupid COVID protocol stuff, than we did in the past. I think the O-line is going to be better, and I think offense as a whole, and that means Justin Jefferson will do better as a whole as well. All right, so Flip, Dave, they have carried the day. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Sorry, a Matt. hater, I guess. You, you, you are a hater. <laughs> yeah, Jim says that Justin will have more... Uh, well, we'll have more touchdowns. So, like, you know, either way, if I, you have my fantasy, you should be I okay. Think more touchdowns, more touchdowns for Jefferson, fewer touchdowns for Thielen, more yards for Thielen, fewer yards for Jefferson. But it's it all equals out in the end is what I think is going to end up happening. Plus, we got the extra game. I th- yeah, oh, well, they're, okay, they're going to be mind. throwing we're more off. Yeah. If we, <laughs> oh, if we okay. Now you want to backtrack. <laughs> <laughs> But what if they're resting I, their starters I'm in the last game, Matt? I'm cool with that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Y'all, we made it all the way through. We talked about some controversial things. There's one little People bit didn't get forgot. too heated. What? We don't need what, to talk about it. What was that, Dave? Oh, yes. Jeff Gladney's been cut. But there's not really much for us to editorialize in there. Jeff no, Gladney's other than cut. we're going to get some, some of that money things. back for the 2022 season. He shouldn't have been here anymore. Season, we get a couple dollars back. And, which means we can yeah, sign I mean, some of these one-year wonders. At that we don't money need to sign else. Brian O'Neill. Yeah, we, we yeah, don't sign anybody else. Yeah, put a, put it you listening O'Neal. to Flip? Let's sign another D.D. Westbrook <laughs> <laughs> with that Gladney money. So we can just sit on the bench and see. Stop spending the money. College team captains. It's their time. Cameron no. Smith on defense. Cameron Smith walking down that linebacker three. And, Come on. You know, we, Could be. Cameron Smith, Daniel Hunter coming back from the neck injury, killing it so far, living in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That should it's, be a T-shirt. So, so this year's draft picks are really last year's draft picks. This is what Flip's been trying to tell you, so. Re, uh, re-familiarize yourself with, with who was drafted last year. That's actually your gift for this year. These guys, this hey, year's I, guys. I will, will, yeah. I will do a private show. If, if somebody in the comments can list all 18 draft picks from last year right now. <laughs> now. 
Flip will do live commentary at a Vikings game for you. (laughs) If you could fire him off for us right now. All right. Well, Dave, you're out in front right now, so I'm not really sure how to do this. But uh, Dave, what do you got coming up for the rest of the week? We've got coming up with tomorrow night should be Vikings happy hour. And then Thursday, we have the one and only, the fastest run show on the internet, Viking Hot Takes. Starring the great Flip Mozzie and Eric Thompson of Daily Norseman. And then we start all over again next Sunday. Let's do it. And hopefully Monday we debut CTP Mondays. I love it. I love it. I love it. Football is close to back. We got Hall of Fame games. We'll have actual game to talk about the next time we're here. It'll be good times. Looking forward to it. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on. Viewers, thanks for uh, coming along, participating, all the great comments. And uh, listeners, you listen to this the next day, you should be viewers. Join us. Tuesday, we're live. It's good times. And that's it. Skull, everybody. Play the music, David. Go over. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody.